Building Men is brought to you by Finish the Race Apparel, ftrapparel.com, the creators of all things Building Men, and by Become Stronger Industries, become-stronger.com, the creators of handmade steel maces, hammers, and other badass equipment. I had billboards in Times Square. I had national commercials out. You were in Beyonce's video, right? You I were was in Destiny's jumping, Child, jumping. Destiny Child jumping, jumping video. I was in the Joe Stutter remix video. All of a sudden, at the height of that, that's when I got busted. Then I went to prison. I was like, so this is what greed does. And this is what, when you let your ego get the best of you, when you're not doing things with integrity. <laughs> You're listening to the Building Men Podcast with Dennis and Anthony Miralda, brothers on a mission to help you become the strongest version of yourself mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. Welcome to the Miralda Minute brought to you by Corona Premier. Today, I'm joined by the legend Arnold Schwarzenegger to talk to us about the importance of protein. Arnold, let's hear it. Ah, Anthony, where do I begin Protein is the most fantastic macronutrient that you could possibly consume. This is because it helps rebuild all the muscles you're working so hard to break down in the gym, makes them look nice and swollen and juicy. It will help you recover and eliminate all the muscle soreness that everyone hates so much. And because protein keeps you nice and full, it helps with those cravings. So you will stop snacking at night. Stop it. Stop it. So put the cookie down and pick up something with more protein. Welcome back to the Building Men podcast. It's interesting. Every once in a while, I have a guest on the podcast that there's some some magic that happens in a serendipitous way. I'll take you back for the Building Men audience. Episode 106, we had on Cal Callahan, and that was December 28th of 2021. And as I'm doing the research for Cal Callahan, um, listen to a lot of his old podcasts that he had done. And I was just a, a big fan of Cal. And he was one of the guys that reached out to me very early on in the process with building men. And I just hold him in very high regard. So as I'm doing research for my interview with Cal, I come across an interview that he did um, on his podcast, The Great Unlearn, episode 47 on January 20th of 2021 with the guest that I have on today. The episode was called Change Your Mindset, Change Your Life. I remember listening to that episode, being in awe of the story that our guest today had to tell. And I remember thinking, I need to meet this man. I need to talk to this man and just tell him, first of all, that his story had a profound impact on my life. And I knew we were going to meet eventually, and I knew I was going to have an opportunity to talk to our guest today. So he is an author. He's a motivational speaker. He's an entertainer. He's a goddamn good dancer. I see him on Instagram <laughs> dancing. I wish I could have the moves that he has. And he is a freaking superhero. Please welcome Garen Jones to the podcast. What's up, my man? Yo, that was one heaven of an entrance. <laughs> Thank you so much. Absolutely, man. And I'll tell you what, the superhero thing I started to think about, and all superheroes have this origin story that they come to us from some level of difficulty in their life. So you hear Iron Man, his original story was he, he was a prisoner of war and he had to engineer a suit out of scraps. There was Batman who had to um, endure the death of his parents right in front of him and he used vengeance as his method of revenge on, on evil. And then there's Spider-Man who was bitten by a radioactive spider when he was living with Uncle Ben and Aunt May and they turned their pain into some superhero. That pales in comparison. Those superhero stories of, of Iron Man, of Batman, of Spider-Man pale in comparison to your story, Garen. And, and I would be doing the world a disservice if I didn't give you an opportunity in the beginning just to, to share a little bit about your journey growing up. I mean, if you could just start, you know, it, I, you grew up in the bayou, right? You were down, down south? Yeah. So tell us a little bit about, I mean, you, you have some crazy stories growing up. If you could share one or two of them with us. I could probably write a book on my how crazy my life was by the age of 16 years old. But I will share this. Um, my father was murdered when I was 12. Uh, my mom was always working, so she did her best to raise me, but I was pretty much raised myself. Um, 
my, my brother was always, he was four years older than me and he had always picked on me. So I never, I grew up feeling like I was alone. So only mm -hmm. type of people that I hung out with were the people that were in gangs, were got into drugs, got into stealing, stealing cars and breaking into houses. I was never in a gang, but I, I ran around, did the same things that they did. And, um, you know, kind of like ABCs turns into words, sentences, paragraphs, books. Well, the ABCs of getting in trouble turns into, turns into, and it continues to evolve. And that was the ABCs of my childhood domestication of the environment that I grew up around. And so that, you know, led me to getting kicked out of school on numerous occasions, going in and out of juvenile for having 42 felonies in one night, which is every car that I broke into was a felony. And I ended up getting caught for that, going to juvenile for six and a half months, being tried as an adult by the time I was 15 years old. Um, and, you know, let's just say the momentum just kept going yeah, and I was breaking into houses, breaking into cars, breaking girls' hearts. And then by the time I was 21 and my daughter, first daughter was just born, I was serving a 12 year sentence inside of uh, a French prison I got out in two and a half years, and I'm sure we'll dive more into that yeah. story. Um, and then I spent the next seven years trying to figure out what I'm gonna do with my life, going from couch to couch, to girlfriend, to girl's house, to couch. I'm like, damn. And then the, the, the nail uh, that like really split the coffin was uh, me living in my car. And I, I felt like the, the universe was taking everything away from me, my daughter, my girlfriend, my money, the opportunities. Um, the one thing they couldn't take away from me was my car. So I just decided to live into my car, not realizing that one day would turn into, uh, one month would turn into six months, would turn into a year, would turn into two and a half years living in my car $200,000 in debt, girlfriend had just broken up with me, daughter pretty much disowned me, tried to take my life twice, and here it is, 3.43 in the morning, and I'm crying, screaming, okay, 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 I'm tired of fighting, I don't wanna fight anymore, I wanna be healthy, I wanna be happy, I wanna be surrounded by nothing but positive people, I just wanna inspire people, and I wanna make a bunch of money, but I want the money to represent something that I passionately believe in, that I would do for free. Just show me a sign, show me a sign. And to close it out, a week later, I'm at a gas station and a homeless guy comes up to me asking me for money. And I say, you have more money than me, because he had a wad of money. And he said, change your mindset, change your life. The homeless guy says this. So was it a homeless guy? Right. Or was it my, my angel? So it was, I've always heard motivational quotes, which I never believed, but it was something about change your mindset, change your life that hit me like a ton of bricks and really made me think about my whole life. And I don't know if you've seen the movie, uh, Sixth Sense. Yeah. Yeah. Remember oh, when yeah. he didn't know that he was dead the whole movie. And as soon as he had the awareness, his whole life flashed before his eyes. Well, when change your mindset, change your life occurred, my whole life flashed before my eyes. And I was like, well, is my life a lie because of how I've been thinking? Change your mindset, change your life. So I trained myself in the past 12 years to do the opposite of everything I would normally do in areas of my life where I wasn't happy. The opposite led me to reading books to stop chasing women, to stop breaking into houses, to, to, to um, going to um, leadership and self-development seminars, to like stop being negative and surrounding myself around negative people and, and training myself to be around positive, more affirmative people. And since 12 years, I've been able to not only reverse my income, but become multi seven figures in several different companies, 
retire my mom since 2015, own several properties, be married to the love of my life, have a new new daughter, and just launched a biz a new business six months ago, which is already at seven figures. So it's like I'm the exact inverse of where yep. I was 12 years ago, almost to the date. And what you just did, that's the trailer for the Garen Jones movie. Pretty much the superhero movie. That's the trailer to be able to walk us through. There's so much in that story that I want to unpack, Garen. And let's start with just the whole, you reverse the, the, the way that you were thinking. I'm a big Seinfeld fan. So it was when George Costanza is like, you know what? If everything I'm doing is wrong, then the opposite must be right. So he goes into the diner and he's like, instead of ordering chicken salad on whole wheat, I'm going to have tuna on rye because that's totally different. And that that mindset shift changed his life. You also mentioned Sixth Sense. So I'll, I'll yeah. use since Sixth Sense as the segue. Unbelievable movie. Uh, Philly area guy, M. Night Shyamalan. All his movies are just legit. Signs is a great movie. Just, like He does it really, really well. If you go back and watch Sixth Sense, there's these little Easter eggs that, that he throws out there in the movie that every time there's some emotion in the scene, the color red will appear. So you'll if you watch the movie again, like you'll see. Dang, I as, need to watch it again. Dude, watch it. I watched it when I was younger. Yep. When when Bruce Willis is going to grab the door, remember the door to the basement is locked. Like when he every time he goes to grab the door, the doorknob is red. When the kid sees the ghost, the red appears. There's there's some emotion attached to if he just saw the sign that was there, he would have recognized that he was not alive. But he, he didn't do it. If you go back and watch it again, you'll see red appear a lot. It's like that reticular wow. activating system in our head. So for you, so let's let's pick out those red moments in your life. As you were going through before 343, you're sitting on the corner of La Brea and Hollywood, and you're in this spot in your Jeep, and you're like, what is it? Like, what what's the next thing for me? There were these little, little red moments that were happening in your life that at the time, Garen, you didn't realize that they were they were difficult for you, but they were leading you down this path of where you would eventually be, where you have this yeah. angel in front of you in this moment, right? So pick yeah. out a, it could be you had a you had an experience where you had a near-death experience where at that time you're like, how could this happen to me? But it could have turned into something. So pick out a moment or two in your life where at that moment you're like, this is it. I, you know, how could I ever get over this to where that became something that propelled you into your future? Well, I'll tell you, um, so I am a big advocate for uh, just like moving your body. And I would always, um, even while, while I was living in my car, I would always uh, motivate people at the Runyon Canyon, which is a canyon in Los Angeles. And I would work people out for free and just motivate them. It just made me feel good to, to make other people feel good. And I'd go there all the time. And then the, my girlfriend at the time, she um, she wanted to go to Santa Monica Stairs, which was like an hour away. Plus it was raining, plus it was traffic. I'm like, why do you want to go an hour away? That's like, that's so far out of the way. It's like, why don't we just go to Runyon Canyon? It's one block away. She was like, I don't want to go to Runyon Canyon. And I was like, well, I don't want to go to Santa Monica Stairs. It's out of the way. It's like, why do you want to go out of the way? And she just kept pressing and kept pressing. And I'm just huffing and puffing. And I was like, fine, we'll go to Santa Monica stairs. So I'm huffing and puffing the whole time there, get there. And this is something I never would have done if I didn't like actually listen. I get there and then five minutes after I'm there, some guy was handing my girlfriend at the time a flyer about a beach workout. And I'm like, who's this clown? This is when I was really insecure. So anybody that had that looked, I thought looked better than me, I would like really try to defend my position. Yeah. Um, and then I walked over there and he told me about the what, what was going on. And I was just like, yeah, whatever. And I rip it up. I rip up his card. I didn't get another card. And I ended up like leaving and, and, and asking my girlfriend at the time, why were you talking to him? And, oh, he was inviting me to this thing. Well, a day later after she went back out of town, because she lived in Florida at the time, she went back out of town. I was at the gas station with my last $2. You couldn't even get gas one gallon for $2. So the gas at that time was like $4.39. And 
Um, you know how you like, there's like quarters and pins that fall underneath the seat. Yeah. I just remember seeing like a card underneath the seat while I was pumping gas. I'm like, wait a second. That's this guy's business card that gave me this business card to my girlfriend. But it's in the driver's seat. My girlfriend hadn't been in the driver's seat. Why is this card underneath the driver's seat? It didn't make sense to me. And I'm like, and I pick it up and I go to rip it again. I'm like, why is this card here? So let me call this guy. Yeah, Actually, yeah. I said, let me call this clown. Right. So I called the guy. That guy invited me out to a beach workout. I went out to the beach workout and I, I was just like, man, what do you guys do? And I just started being inquisitive. And then all of a sudden he introduced me to what they do. I fell in love with the healthy, active lifestyle, healthy, active community. That was the gateway to my personal growth. That was the gateway to being around other entrepreneurs. And then that was also the gateway to the company that he brought me into where I ended up earning my first seven figures within the first three years. Wild. It's one of those I things. I would have where... never, I would have never gone, but she just kept pressing and then I listened. So surrendering those moments where there might be a larger message out there and we just need to get out of our own way in those moments. And I, I hear what you're saying. There's that when, you know, someone that you're romantically involved with is talking to another person, you want to puff up your chest. It's our own ego. It's our own insecurity. That's, Absolutely. That's coming out in that capacity. But I'll rip up the card in front of you to show I'm the tougher guy. So the fact that that card appeared, and I mean, I remember being having uh, the the white minivan with three kids, all the shit that you'd find under the seat. That's some scary stuff. So the card, the fact that it was only the card and it wasn't like a cheese sandwich from three years ago that you found under the seat. I found that shit under my seat in my, my house growing up from, from time to time. So you talked, Garen, about you let off with the experience that you had growing up and you had this big bomb that you dropped on us that your father was murdered when you were 12 years old, yeah. right? Think, talk about a traumatic experience for a kid to go through at that time. Was that the, the point in your life where you said you, you got in trouble, you were hanging out in gangs, you were stealing cars, you got into juvie. Was that the moment where it, you know, the things went on, on a different trajectory for you? Yep. And what's even worse about that story is I blamed myself because we're going to take it all the way back even further to when I was four, my parents were separating. My mom said, okay, you got 30 minutes before we need to leave, pick which parent you wanna go with. Oh. So just imagine someone giving that level of responsibility to a four-year-old. And I remember saying, I don't wanna do it. I don't want y'all to separate. I don't wanna go. And my whole life, I've been late for things. I procrastinated. I waited to the last minute when it comes to packing. And I think I can get anywhere in the world in 30 minutes. And I'm like, where does that come from? So one day I was doing a deep meditation and it took me right to the moment where my mom said, pick which parent you want to go with. So decide. So decision was connected to the feeling of dread. Uh, um, being on time, it was me choosing to go ahead of time, but in my nervous system was stuck energy of little Garen saying, I don't want to go. So then I'm going to tie this to my dad. This is why I thought it was my fault. I initially chose my dad. So we were driving off. My brother chose my mom. So I'm watching them get smaller as the car drives away. And what I now know is my intuition comes up and says, go with your mom. Tell them to stop the car, stop the car. So at four years old, I'm saying, stop the car. I want to go with mom. I want to go with mom. I want to go with mom. So my dad ends up stopping the car, drives back. I end up going with my mom. Several years later, uh, what was it? Eight years later, my dad was murdered. And I said, well, if I would have originally chosen to go with my dad, maybe that wouldn't have happened. So it's my fault that he's murdered. So that in itself, it's like, not only was he murdered, I also blamed myself. So I didn't know how to deal with that kind of energy. So I took to the streets, breaking the cars, stealing phones and 
stealing money and doing all this kind of stuff so that I would distract myself from the way the guilt and shame that I felt by not choosing my dad because I never thought about what he may have felt by me leaving him and not choosing him. Yeah, that's some deep stuff for, for a kid to carry that for such a long time, Garen. And when you think about it too, you speak about it and it's something that I wholeheartedly believe in in my own practice is you need to find the root of, of that pain, right? So, and that might have been paved over by years and years and years of shit and concrete or whatever, but you have to chisel it away. You have to reach down, find the weed at its root to be able to pull it out because otherwise it's window dressing and you're really not addressing the problem. So for you, that was the root uh, the cause of everything else that you were going through was that experience when, when you were driving away with your dad and you told him to stop. What did little Garen need to hear then? Like if you could go back and talk to little Garen, I already like, did. What, you, so oh. what did he, what'd you say to him? So basically I had another deep meditation and it went back to that moment. I was like, I didn't know this was still in here. It was like Garen, cause you never cleaned it up at the root. And so a friend of mine was with me when I was going through this process. And then she asked me, what does 100 slash zero mean? And I, I said that um, it means um, you take 100% responsibility for everything that you, do, that you do with zero excuses for why you can't be or do your absolute best with every occasion with everybody you come in contact with. They said, they said do you think your mom was responsible in that moment, I was like, no, nobody in my family's ever taken responsibility for their actions. Uh, I'm probably the only one. And they said, well, in your mom's highest light, in her highest self, in her highest intention, do you think that she took responsibility? I said, oh, absolutely. They said, so in your mom's highest light, not in this human context, in her highest light, why do you think she would have given you that choice. And I was like, oh my God, my mom gave me the freedom to choose my own destiny. She didn't, most parents would force, you're coming with me and yeah. you're coming. My mom in her highest light trusted. Most people become a man or a woman, like really when they get kicked out of the house and they got to start making decisions. And so, I made a powerful decision when I was four. So I was actually ahead of the game for most people who don't, they, everybody makes decisions for them. I had been making decisions all my life, wondering why my intuition is so strong. My earliest memory of my, in, a memory of my intuition is when I was driving away in my dad's car and it came up and I was like, wait a second, deep trust, leads to intuition. So 10 minutes after I deeply trusted, my intuition was birthed. My mom gave me, she gave me the power to choose my own destiny. So what I needed to know is my mom in her highest light knew what was best. And she knew that I could be a man at four instead of at 18. And then when you see how I operate when I'm facilitating and when I'm coaching or when I'm on stage with 55,000 people, they're like, yo, how can you facilitate like that? Look, it takes a level of deep trust. You've been deep trusting since you were 18. So imagine people in the MMA that's been wrestling since they were four or somebody who's playing the guitar since they were four. You can definitely tell the difference. So I've been deeply trusting since I was four, not when I was 18. So I kind of got the edge on, on, a, on a lot of people who's everybody else has been making decisions for them. So my mom gave me one of the greatest gifts I could ever have, because it's the thing that has led me to impacting millions of people. Right. And that's the ability to trust myself, trust in me being an open channel so that ancient wisdom can flow through me. And all of that happened started, I believe, when I was four years old in the crux of the scariest decision of my life. During that time, Karen, I appreciate you telling us that story. During that time, 
did you hold resentment towards your mom for for making you make that decision even though like you've come to the to the conclusion to, you had an epiphany later on in your life that that was one of those core memories that you had because before you were even developmentally ready kids at 4 years old are typically not developmentally ready to understand that level of autonomy and and perhaps it was repressed for such a long time that you finally came to the spot like wow this was really really deep but did you hold your mom was there any level of resentment for her in your mind making you make that decision for a long time up until 2 months ago okay have you reconciled have you have you oh, had an absolutely. opportunity okay because one as soon as i'm aware you can't change what you're not aware of because you can't see the picture while you're in the frame as soon as i was aware i'm like oh my god I've been dragging my mom inside of these podcasts and and I was like, how, what is the best way that I can actually honor my mom? Because if I know she did the best she could with what she knew and in her highest intention, her light, the light of my mom gave me a gift. The ability to trust and it's difficult for people to trust, trust people, trust themselves, trust success and all these different things. And then it just kind of just flows in my life. The intuitions come in. They're like, well, how'd you know that? No, because I, I deeply trust the, the voice that comes. I, de I, I deeply trust the inner universe inside of me. And up until two months ago, I've been going in and out of that. But I didn't know what was the sabotage that was happening. What the sabotage was, the little kid who was angry with trusting. So I would go in and out of trust, not knowing where that was actually coming from. It was coming from that moment right there. And since then, my timing, my procrastination, uh, me doing things in the last 30 minutes, that's no longer, that energy is not living in my body. I'm actually making powerful choices um, and energetically being with those choices instead of I hope it'll work. Uh, well, where does this come from? So it was up until two months ago. But wow. anything, anytime I learn an awareness, I share it on every platform because there's somebody out there right now that's that's like, oh my God, what if I looked at my mom that way or my dad that way? Maybe I won't be so hard on them because any resentment that you hold towards anybody is not hurting them. It's actually hurting you. Absolutely. Yeah. And a story that I've been telling myself, I've had a, I had a significant event in my upbringing uh, around my parents, around my father, more um, specifically, that even hearing that from you right now is going to encourage me to go back into that story again and, and think about it from a different perspective. So I appreciate you sharing that with us as well, Garen. And with your father, it was you, you you're an entertainer at heart. And, and there was a story that you tell where you're, you're hanging out um, before your father had passed and you want to get up and you're going to do Michael Jackson. You know, you're going to do a little Michael Jackson in front of a group. And I at was first, five years old, five years old. So there's again, right after that, that time frame that you just spoke about and your father basically was like, no dude, like you get out there and, and show your stuff. Right. Like, so your yeah. father, he was one of the people that inspired you to get up on stage a little bit more, so to speak. Building men of character, integrity, strength, compassion, and empathy through coaching mentoring, professional development, facilitation, and motivational speaking is our mission here at Building Men to work with me. Information is in the show notes on our website at buildingmen.io, or you can send me an email at buildingmencoach at gmail.com. We are here to help you become the strongest version of yourself mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. Now, back to the show. He was the very first person that I can remember who had my back and stuck up for me when it wasn't cool to stick up for somebody. So we were at Christmas holiday and the kids stand in front of the adults showing off their talent. And I'd never really sang in front of the adults or danced. Uh, you know, I was just afraid. And so this was my big moment. I go out there, Michael Jackson's uh, Moonwalker came on MTV. And at five years old, I started dancing and singing and everybody was like, boo, Garen, you can't sing, you can't dance. And then I just remember being crushed. And even amongst all of the alcohol, my dad, he goes, hey, don't you ever tell my son what he can and cannot do. Garen, if you love it, 
You do what makes you happy. You do what makes you happy. You love it, you do it. Do what you love. That, that one piece of philosophy right there is something that I live by, a, one of the highest values that I have. And it has impacted millions and millions of lives. So I keep my dad alive by honoring this part of his, his legacy of loving no matter what. Maybe he wasn't like that. So maybe, you know, the divine was flowing through him and used in that moment, same way uh, it happened with the homeless guy saying, mm -hmm. change your mindset, change your life. And it's interesting too, the, the balance between your, your father giving you that, that boost he has your back. You have the confidence now. So like the sensory experience. So you're hearing that from your father, you're seeing him in that moment. Um, just the, you know, the, the kinesthetic way, the movement piece, the singing that, that those five senses. And then with your mom, it was more of the, the sixth sense, the intuition you didn't retrieve that until later, but it, it's really like a full integrated experience. The lessons that your parents taught you within a really short period of time at that early developmental stages in your life. I mean, the the way that you got to where you are right now, you took a track from hell. I mean, you went all over the place to get to where you are right now, but it was almost like you knew that you were going to be where you are right now. You just had to figure out how to overcome all the landmines along the way. I asked, it's funny when I said I wanted to be a superhero when I, when I got older. And then I looked up and I'm like, wait a second. I have abs like an action figure. I'm stronger than the average man, human. I save and change lives all over the world, but I don't know any superheroes that didn't have to overcome hardship in order to obtain their powers. And I was like, I'm a freaking superhero. And in the hero's journey, Garen, there's always that, the the hero gets to this, this point and they think, all right, I got this, it's all good. And then they fall back down again. So for you, things started after you went through that experience in high school where you were in juvie and you're, you're boosting cars and things started to go right for you. Like you, you, people started to recognize like, here's a good looking guy. Like maybe he could be a model someday. Like there, you started to get some, some notoriety started to um, hook up with some people that you were in, you know, starting to be an up and comer in the entertainment world. And then that hero's journey piece where everything crashed down on you again. So take us through that little journey in your life before we get into the prison in France. So I started doing uh, modeling and um, I was with Ford in LA and Wilhelmina in New York. And I'm doing all kind of runway shows all over the world, doing billboards, doing commercials, music videos. And people would, I'd walk around and people like, oh, you're that guy in this commercial or this video. So it was like this little mild celebrity. And, um, you know, I remember being a little kid and asking my mom to buy me some $125 pair of Jordans. She was like, well, whenever you can make your own money, you can buy whatever you want. Yeah. Well, I never was taught how to make money. So when it came to uh, making that money with the modeling, I wanted to make all kinds of money. I'm like, what's any way that I can make money? And then I got into smuggling drugs. I didn't know exactly that it was like drugs, but I knew it was something bad because all I had to do was drive a car over a ferry, over a border, then I'd get this money and I was, I was in Europe the whole time. And so I was doing that while I was at modeling. So at the height of my modeling career, just right before it was about to break, I got greedy. And then my ego was like, oh yeah, I look amazing. But you know, it's even more amazing the way I look when I have more money. And so I would just do anything. It didn't matter what it was, whether it was good or bad, I would do anything to make money. And this is before I learned discipline. I never did personal development, self-growth. I never invested $300,000 in my personal growth per year like I do now. I never did things like that. And so my mentors was pretty much the people who taught me how to grow up, which was the streets and the people that I ran with in the streets. Um, and when I say streets, I don't mean like the hood. Like I didn't live in the hood. It was just 
I hung out with a bunch of bad kids in the streets, running the streets and breaking into cars, breaking into houses. And I want to make this clear because one time I said the streets, they're like, man, you ain't from the hood. I was like, I never claimed to be from the hood, but I did run in the streets doing crazy stuff. Um, so when all that happened and I got busted with, I had billboards in Times Square. I had national commercials out. You were in Beyonce's video, right? You I was were in Destiny jumping, Child, jumping. Destiny Child jumping, jumping video. I was in the Joe Stutter remix video. Uh, I was in a bunch of videos at the same time. L'Oreal hair commercial, Old Navy doing all kind of runway. Uh, and Nietzsche was in magazine spreads and covers and everything. All of a sudden, at the height of that, that's when I got busted. Then I went to prison. I was like, so this is what greed does. And this is what, when you let your ego get the best of you, when you're not doing things with integrity and I let all of that. So when I got busted and I'm in France, all the way in France, I'm like, what am I doing here? I don't belong in nobody's prison. I just had a newborn. I just had a daughter. And now I'm in prison. And all of this, I got billboards on Times Square in prison in France during a time where damn near the whole of Europe hated George Bush. And you had that moment, right? Where you're like, I climbed out of this despair that I was in. I reached this pinnacle. You're seeing your face in lights. And I'm sure you're getting a ton of pats on the back and these, this, this praise based on who you were. So it's, it's, there's a, a poem called the man in the glass and the last stands in the poem goes, you may fool the whole world down the pathway of years and get pats on the back as you pass, but your final reward will be heartache and tears. If you've cheated the man in the glass. Ooh, that's good. The Powerful, right? In the glass. And so when I was a middle school principal, Garen, I would have the kids. I ran a building men group for kids. It was a boys social group, which I something that you probably would have absolutely loved being in. We, we sat together and we talked about shit that we were going through at that time. But I made the boys memorize that poem because it, it comes down to people around you. You can get all the accolades. It, it could look a certain way. You can have the house on the hill, the white picket fence, whatever. But if you're looking at yourself in the mirror and there's still that void there, there's still you, you haven't reconciled that, then what are you? And you were in your own personal prison internally, and then you were actually in a physical prison. I manifested that. Right. Exactly, sure. exactly. So now you're there. You had a 12-year sentence. Correct me if I'm wrong, a 12-year sentence that you were able to get shortened. How did that happen? So I was there for a whole year before I even got sentenced. It's, it's, it, the, the way... They do it in Europe is completely different than America. America, I guess you're innocent until proven guilty. There, you're guilty and you got to prove yourself innocent. And plus, I was like the only American in the prison. So it's like it's a little bit harder. Right. And you did and, it too. Right? Yeah, and I did. <laughs> and I tell you, so I'm there whole year. They, they sentenced me in 2002 to 2014. That was my sentence. And I'm just like, oh my God, my life is over. I just had a daughter. Like my life, my life, my life is over. And I remember the day I was just like, what would I normally, what, what would I, what could I do in here what, that I wouldn't normally do out there? And I just remember asking that question. And then they allowed us to watch uh, Shawshank Redemption I mean, uh, movies once a month. Shawshank Redemption came on, which is a movie that's based out of prison. And Tim Robbins says, oh, they can take anything they want away from me, but they can't take away my mind. And I was like, oh, wait a second. If they can't take away my mind, I'm no longer in prison. And I said, hold on. I know why I'm in prison. Because when I was free, I used to say, I feel like I'm so far away from where I'm supposed to be, like I'm in prison inside of my own body, to the point where I manifested being so far away in a prison. 
And I said, if I can put myself in prison, well, in that case, I'm a free man. What would a free man do? What would a free person do? What, what, can, I, what can I do in here that I wouldn't normally do out there? I started with using my non-dominant hand. You know, yeah, I was right-handed. I started using my left hand. And when you write with your non-dominant hand, it looks like a little kid. So I didn't know that's activating your the, the kid brain. And then I started training myself to do everything. I just stopped using my dominant hand and using my non-dominant hand, which activated a different part of my brain. I'm training myself to do that. And then I remembered I love to sing. I remembered I love to motivate people. I love to draw. And I just felt more creative. Well, with that creativity, every time I would sing, an inmate said, man, every time you sing makes me feel like, um, makes me feel like I'm free. But I already felt free because I was doing everything I loved to do when I was a kid. I was taking my joy and it was just my cup runneth over, overflow. And then I started drawing portraits of other inmates' families and they were crying saying, thank you. Can I get you anything? I'm like, nah, I'm just happy like you're, you're that you're supporting. I mean that you that I'm just happy that you love this. And um, then a little voice inside goes, Garen, run. You love to run. Nobody else was running outside. They were either fighting, stabbing, um, drugs, lifting weights. Nobody was running. And in the midst of that, little voice inside, Garen, run. You love to run. So after a long while of me negotiating with whatever that little voice inside was saying, I started running. And in 30 days of nobody running, in 30 days, 62 inmates were running with me. And there were less fights, less drug deals, less stabbings, everything. When I felt free, not when I'm saying free, there's a lot of people trying to, we got to, the president is taking away our freedom and this person is taking, can't nobody take away what only you can give to yourself. And I know because I was actually in prison and in losing my freedom, I actually discovered my freedom. So I'm speaking from actual personal experience. Nobody can actually take away something only you can give or take away from yourself. So here I am all the way in Europe in a French prison living as a free man because I'm doing everything that I used to love to do as a kid. And there was less fights, less drug deals, less stabbings. And when I felt free, when I embodied the characteristics of freedom, they called me into the office and they said, we retested the drugs, which they had no reason to retest the drugs because they'd already did it three times. It was 6.2 kilos of heroin every single time. And when I felt free, two and a half years later, we retested the drugs, 90% was fake. And for the amount that was real, you've already done the time, you're free to go home wild you were a, a modern day andy dufresne tim robbins character from shawshank <laughs> which is in my opinion one of the greatest movies of all time one That's of my top movie. three movies of all time and it was it was about not giving up hope the 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 thematic piece of that movie that sticks with me is he was in he was there wrongly accused and he never gave up hope and what he did which is what you did he inspired people to become better so he was helping people read. He was he established the library there. He helped the one guy get his GED from high school going during that time. You were doing the same thing. And once you're able to free yourself from that prison mentally, the the freedom from the physical prison manifested itself because of what you were doing there. So that is yeah. a, that is an awesome story. I absolutely love that. So now fast forward, you get out, you're back in the United States. You mentioned you were living in your car for two and a half years. You were in a ton of debt. You had that moment at 3.43 in the morning, that epiphany that happens. So from that moment where you you made this, this shift, where you change your mindset, you can change your life. Take us from there to, I mean, there's a million things that I'm sure that have happened during that time, but to where you are now. So there were, what what things happened from that point into now that you're you're living the dream, you're successful, you're inspiring millions of people. I would say the turning point was one of those, uh, the effect of change your mindset, change your life. I used to go to the nightclub every single night looking for a different girl to sleep with. And I said, well, what if I started going to self-development seminars? Because I heard people in the health and wellness community talking about 
leadership seminars and these free workshops and everything. It's like, what if I started chasing the better version of myself? And inside of my very first success seminar, guy from the stage was like, successful people are willing to do the things that unsuccessful people won't do. And I was like, well, let me start paying attention to successful people then. And he was talking about leaders or readers. I'm like, man, I read a good book. And then I would just stop thinking that I got it. He was like, no, you keep a good book and keep reading. And so I'm learning all of this, these different tools and strategies on mindfulness and on how to become a better version of myself. And inside of me continuously reading, I was continuously growing. Like I stopped scrolling. I stopped watching TV. I even stopped listening to music so I can invest all of that time because energy can't be created nor destroyed. It can only be transferred. So I transferred that same energy that I put in all those things into reading books, applying the lessons, going to seminars, and by way of my community community changing, changing my outer community and my inner community, meaning my mind, my body, my soul, that shifting and changing. My results of my life started matching who I was becoming as a person. And I was just around a bunch of healthy, active lifestyle, people talking about having better health, uh, changing the world one healthy person at a time. Then I got some new friends. They were talking about entrepreneurship, building businesses. And I just kept listening. I'm just like, man, all of this is part of my opposite. So with the same energy that I used to sleep with different women every night or break into 62 cars and do all these different things, I put that same energy into continuously evolving. Well, life is not happening to you. It's responding to you. So if you become a bigger and better version of yourself and you have a different perspective and then you start looking at life a completely different way, treating people a different way, apologizing, letting go of resentment, forgiving people for for hurting you and harming you, you become a magnetic person because everyone that, you know, the, the human body is the most powerful magnet in the world. But most people, they demagnetize themselves with alcohol, with sex, with porn, with insecurities, with guilt, with shame, because that blocks your channel from the the div- divine nature f- to flow through you, you know, your, your ideas, your creativity and everything. And so when I started learning about being an open channel, instead of clogging my channel and me being stuck and bored and blaming and shaming others and all this other negative talk, I realized that I could actually create and author any kind of life that I want. First, I need to know what kind of life that is, because what I thought was successful, the guy that modeled it for me put a bullet into his brain. He had the car, the girls, the money and all that. And I'm like, maybe I should rethink what my version of success is. And my version of success is when I look in that mirror and the truth shows up and nobody is around, I'm actually happy with what I see and I'm proud of what I see. Before I go to sleep at night and my head hits the pillow, it's peaceful and it's calm. There's no voices in my head. But what it takes to get to that point in my life is the person with the houses, with the cars, with the beautiful woman, with the beautiful life, and the beautiful himself. So my life is a direct depiction of how I'm choosing to live my life. My house is a reflection of me and my wife. The our money is a reflection of me and my wife and our family dynasty. And so we've learned to live inside out instead of let the outside affect the inside. I love that. And you talk about it, you talked about it with Tom Bilyeu, and you talked about the power hour idea, right? And I, it, it resonated with me in that I went through a renaissance period two and a half, three years ago where I changed everything. I was overweight. I was drinking. I was watching porn. I was 
I was a mess. I was overweight. I was doing everything wrong that you could possibly do. And for me, there was a moment. It was like your 3.43 a.m. moment. Mine was I was driving a car and a song hit me. And hearing that song, there was a line in the song and it hit me in a different way. And I just decided to change everything. So for me, I went cold turkey on everything and I just changed everything right away. It was like I went the the 180 like you spoke about before. For me, that's what I did in my mid 40s or my early 40s. For you, when you were going through those changes, you mentioned, Garen, that you were going out to the club and you were looking for a different woman every night. Once you had that epiphany, like, I need to change what I'm doing. Was it, I'm going to change one thing. I'm thinking about that power hour idea, that first hour of the day. I'm going to change the time I go to bed at night or the time I wake up in the morning or meditating or whatever it was. Did you do one thing and get good at it and then do the next thing? Or were you just like, I am all in, I'm changing everything? Well, I, I wasn't either of those. I just started, I'm just going to change everything that I normally do. I'm just start doing the opposite. Normally I would use gel soap. So change your mindset, change your life. I'm going to use bar soap. Uh, normally I would take the escalators, change your mindset, change your life, use the, um, use the stairs. So I didn't know that me, by me training the opposite into my free, in my, into my frequency that I was building new neural pathways. I didn't know that that was happening. And so since you can't see the picture while you're in the frame, I'm getting results, but I couldn't articulate them. If you can't articulate your results, you can't teach them to anybody. And so um, you can only model a certain behavior. Um, so as I kept doing that, and then I started going to the emotional intelligence courses, learning about interpersonal skills, doing uh, 10 days of silence, 10 days of dark, uh, just doing all different kind of, of different modalities. They were always giving me language to be able to articulate certain new perspectives that I had. And then once I had that language, all of a sudden, I started sharing it with people instead of saying, they're like, How's you, how are you pulling in all these people? How are you doing all this? I was like, listen, I just dance every day. That's, that was my thing. It was very simple, but I didn't know what it was that was happening. When I dance, I open up a portal of permission for other people to actually be themselves because I'm dancing inside of the frequency freedom, uh, the, the freedom of um, the frequency of freedom inside of my own body. So when I'm running or if I'm dancing, if I'm drawing, it's not the adult doing that. It's the little kid. And this is how I coined the phrase called artist power. Inside of us is a little kid that's an artist. All little kids are artists. They're all creative. They've got, they've got endless amount of energy, passion, desires. They risk, they're not afraid, but then life lifes you. Then your mom models life a certain way. Your dad or your adopted parents or your teachers or the news or whatever it is that you're watching in your cartoon models life a certain way and then the child starts picking up on that pattern but that beginner child is so creative and so what i did in my journey is i found a way to tap back into little garen little garen that hadn't yet been tainted by the world and little garen contains all the power little garen is the one with all the ideas and the creativity so that's what i call artist power it's the little kid inside of you. And once you tap into that main line, it unleashes a power. And now this is what has led me to teach people how to awaken the artist within. It's ultimately awaking the little kid within. I'm not talking about this little clumsy kid, but it's the kid energy. It's the energy of the little kid who said, I want to be president of the United States, but now you work a nine to five job out of security and fear and get paid less than your value, what happened to your original dream? You gave up on that. So what you did is then you start plugging into your mom, start plugging into your dad or your brother and everything you do is like, like them. So you literally stage yourself outside of your real self, which leads to the loss of self. It's the journey that we've gone on today, my man, has been absolutely tremendous. And I think back to the very beginning, I truly believe like you are a modern day superhero in everything that you're doing. And when you go back and you look at the story again, bringing it back to Sixth Sense, all those little things, those little emotional things that happened to you along the journey, 
that's where the red would have appeared in the movie where the, there's something there I'm gonna watch that, that movie today watch it dude and let me know send me a message and let me know but but key into it on the journey and especially in the end when they go through it it's pretty fascinating you'll see red come up a whole lot in that episode but you are an absolute superhero and when you go back and and think about all the things that you you've gone through it everything that you went through led you to here because of your mindset and being able to free yourself from that mental prison I truly appreciate this. My last question for you, Garen, is somebody's listening to this podcast right now. They've already got an hour's worth of unbelievable value from this conversation. What's one thing that someone could do? They press pause. This one thing right now that they can do. And if they do this one thing, they can change the direction or the trajectory of their life. I'm going to give you two things. All right. So here's the two things. One thing is I want you to go back from when you were kindergarten up until now. And think about everybody that you've ever hurt in your thoughts, physically, or in your words that you just left, like you never apologized to, no matter what it was that happened in the relationship. Write all their names down. Then I want you to think of everybody that's ever hurt you. I want you to write their names down. And this one thing I want you to do is write all their names down with the intention of reaching out to them and apologizing to them for your part. Don't expect whatever them to respond. Don't wait for a response. Reach out to them and you're clearing yourself. And what that looks like, I'm in the process of transforming my life. And I just wanted to say that I apologize for smacking you on the butt and stealing your gum when we were five years old. And they might even brush it off. They might say, oh, I completely forgot about that, but thank you so much. But I guarantee you, the seed that you left with them will make a profound impact. And then some people may not even reach out to you back because people don't remember you. They remember the, the, the last way that you made them feel. So if you get through like 100 people with the intention of creating a clear channel between you and that other person, but you take responsibility, I want you to notice what starts to make its way in your life. It's almost like the universal order starts to take place and nature starts to replenish itself. That's number one. Number two, what I want you to do is think of one thing that you used to do as a little kid that made you the most happiest, that brought you the most joy. What you think of that, whether it be dancing, singing, playing in the rain or whatever. And I want you to plan it once a week. And you can just, you can, it's like you dating yourself. Take yourself out on a date with that little kid. Uh, and if it's running, go and run, not to lose weight, not for time, but just to spend time with that little kid. If it's dancing, spend time with that little kid. Do that once a week for at least 30 minutes. And I want you to share, like in your stories, or maybe with me, um, share how things are starting to shift and things that you're noticing in your life because you actually gave the deepest reach of, reaches of your heart actual attention. Love those two. I, I'm glad you took a second one there. I've asked that question 160 times. That's the first time I got either one of those responses. It reminds me of Billy Madison when uh, Adam Sandler reaches out to the people that he was a dick to when he was in school and Steve Buscemi crossed him off the list of somebody that he was going to kill. I mean, it's a stupid Adam Sandler movie, but he went through that process of apologizing for something that he had done in the past, owning it, taking that radical responsibility. This yeah. was amazing, dude. I really appreciate you coming on the Building Men podcast. Um, in the future, I'd love to have you on again if you'd like to come back and we can continue your story. I've really enjoyed the conversation. Where can the audience find you? How do we reach out to you, get in touch with you? So you can definitely find me on my website, uh, garenjones.com. Definitely on Instagram, uh, at garen.jones. And um, I have a book out called Change Your Mindset, Change Your Life that's on Amazon right now. And really excited because I, um, you know, I'm, I'm known for my leadership and the way that I coach and facilitate. And I've had so many coaches and so many facilitators and so many people who really want to know how to command the audience, walk in a room and people be like, who is that? Because of the, the personal magnetism that's living inside of you. 
And I have a leadership program coming up where I'm only taking 20 people and it's a mastermind that's specifically on all the specifics on how I do, what I do, the timing, what I do. You'll learn about speaking, coaching, leadership. If you have an organization, you'll learn how to lead leaders who create other leaders instead of leaders who create followers. Um, and facilitate for anybody that's like facilitating a group of people. And these are something that I, you know, I've been in the practice every single day for 12 years um, and have grown successful groups and organizations all over the world in 55 different countries. Um, and so that starts in January and it's called Artist Power Leadership Program. And then I have another retreat coming up called Awaken the Artist Within that's in March. So all of that will be on my website. And I'm really excited to uh, create a space where all the artists inside of human start living from the inside out so that we can feel what it feels like to be in a radiant frequency world where people believe in themselves and they're living from their mission and their purpose. Awesome. We'll put all that information into the show notes. The first person that emails me with the subject line artist within, I will send you a copy of Garen's book, Change Your Mindset, Change Your Life on me. So I will get that out to you. First person that sends me an email subject titled artist within building an audience, go one step further than you thought you could go. We'll see you next time on building men. <laughs>